A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of King Herod, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star, and we come, have come to do him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was greatly troubled in all Jerusalem with him. Assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it has been written through the prophets, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, since from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. For Herod called the Magi secretly and ascertained from them the time of the star's appearance. He then sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the child, whom you, and when you have found him, bring me word, that I too may go and do him homage. After their audience with the king, they set out, and behold, the star that they had seen at its rising preceded them, until it came and stopped over the place where the child was. There they were overjoyed at seeing the star, and on entering the house they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they prostrated themselves and did him homage. Then they opened their treasure and offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their country by another way. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Any children here for a children's homily? Yes, we do. Come on down. Good, 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 good. I was hoping so because I kind of like this children's homily. Hi, how are you? Do you know what this is? What is it? It's a flashlight, that's right. Now, did you pay, did you listen to that first reading where Isaiah talks about those who live in darkness see a great light? And that's a, and that, well, you're supposed to say yes. Yes, teacher, I did. So, and, you know, that's how the Bible describes us coming to understand God is he gives us revelation. He gives us inspiration where we get to see a little bit of God and we get to know him little by little as we receive inspiration and we learn and we grow. Now this flashlight is kind of cool because watch, I'm going to turn this on and you see that little piece of light right there? It's very bright, isn't it? And that's kind of like what God does. He speaks to us and we see this bright light. Oh my goodness gracious, now I understand something. And then as time goes on and we continue to pray and meditate, the light grows. See how it becomes bigger? It grows and grows and grows and then we'll be able to see and learn more. Jesus described Revelation like a mustard seed. It's a little seed, you put it in the ground, and then it starts to grow. And that's the way it is when God speaks to us. We get a glimpse of what God wants from us, and then if we pray and we seek God's face, it begins to grow, and we learn, and we learn more and more about what God desires. Okay, you got that? Okay, thank you so much for coming down.
Masks and hearing aids do not get along with each other. So this is the feast of the epiphany, the feast of the revelation, the manifestation, and specifically, it's a feast of the manifestation of God's plan to the Gentiles, to the nations. You know, the, the, uh, in the Old Testament, the, the Jewish people growing up in Israel, they had, they had the law and they had the prophets and they had explanations about what God's plan was. As we see when God's plan, Jesus arrives, we understand they weren't paying a lot of attention, but nonetheless, they had the revelation being revealed to them. But the Gentiles, well, maybe they missed out on some of it, but actually not quite all of it, right? Because the Magi, something happened that stirred them to understand that the king was being born. Now, what king are they referring to? What did they know? Well, we know we talked about and especially in the discovery class, we've talked about how the Catholic faith has grown from the very beginning of human history. From the earliest man, God began to understand more and more about God. And we know this because in an ancient temple, it's about over 12,000 years old, it's being excavated even now, still being excavated in Turkey, that this temple is built as a model of the Garden of Eden. And this creation story that we think of as the Eden story of, God, of Adam and Eve in the garden and of the fall, this was their liturgy that man tens of thousands of years ago used to worship. And those first 11 chapters of Genesis are by and large what the religion of early man consisted of. And one of the great things about this Eden story, this is the, remember the liturgy of ancient man, is a promise that the seed of the woman would come and crush the head of the serpent. That promise is the first promise of the Messiah, the first promise of the coming of the Christ, who would be born of a virgin. And by his obedience to his father, through his passion and his resurrection, would crush the head of the deceiving and accusing serpent who tempted man into sin and disobedience against God. And man remembered this, or at least there, was, there were pockets that remembered these ancient stories and who looked for the coming of the king who would be born of a virgin, who would come and crush the head of the serpent. So even though the Gentiles didn't have the law and they didn't have the prophets, they still had the remnants of this early gospel message. In fact, Dr. James Kennedy, uh, a Protestant minister, he wrote a book that discussed the, the zodiac, the horoscope. You know, we talk about horoscopes. The zodiac that showed that if you read it the right way, the zodiac itself is a proclamation of the gospel. And that was the original intent of the Zodiac, was to be able to pass on this story. And you can kind of see that, because you see, you know, in the one quadrant of the Zodiac, there's the, the symbol, the Virgo, and right next to her is Libra, and right next to that is Scorp Scorpio, right? 
And so you can see that you could read that as a proclamation that the virgin will give birth to the judge who will destroy in the zodiac the scorpion. In our scripture, we call it the serpent. But it's actually really neither, you know, in this the story, it's really more of a dragon because, you know, he's, he's got legs and he's, he talks and he's crawling in a tree. It's not a snake like we think of, but the virgin to give birth to the judge who crushes the evil one. All right, maybe that's true. And these people who were looking for the coming of this king, we call them the magi, wise men, students. They, they were like natural scientists. They were students of the stars and students of nature, but yet they still remembered that the, that the virgin would give birth to the judge who would crush the evil one. Now, we don't really know exactly what this star was, but there have been a lot of, uh, a lot of theories over time about what the star was all about. And um, some have said it was a comet. Some have said that it was a, a nova, a supernova, which would certainly be a, uh, something people could see and notice. And um, others like Blaise Pascal said that it was probably a conjunction of planets that created a star. Now we saw this just recently, didn't we? Did everybody go outside and see Jupiter and Saturn? Yes, and when they came into conjunction, there's this, suddenly there's this bright star in the sky and, and we all went out and looked at it. In fact, we went out, I went out twice to see it. Uh, one day and you could see it very clearly. The next day it was kind of cloudy. And as this, we got a glimpse of it, and then it kind of passed behind a cloud, but then it kind of came through the cloud in this beautiful luminescence. It was quite remarkable as we watched this, uh, this event set behind the horizon. And now there's another, another scholar by the name of Rick Larson. Rick, Rick Larson, remember that name? And he did a documentary card called The Star of Bethlehem. Has anybody seen that? The Star of Bethlehem, one person has seen that. That's because you watched it together. So, yes, the Star of Bethlehem, and it's on YouTube. You don't, have to, you don't have to rent it or anything. Just go to YouTube, type in the Star of Bethlehem, Rick Larson, and you'll, you'll find it. And it's a little over an hour. Now, one of the reasons it takes so long is because he is, as a Protestant Christian, um, and kind of a fundamentalist genre, he really struggled with the idea of using the Zodiac for anything because of you know the, the prohibition against using astrology. And there's a good reason for that prohibition because today astrology is something that wants to kind of direct our lives, tell us what to do, right? Foretell our future and, and give us instructions. We're not to follow any instructions except the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We live with the Holy Spirit's presence within us. Why would we want to follow anybody else's instructions? No, we live by the presence of the Holy Spirit and not by the control of a, of a horoscope or something like that. But nonetheless, he just felt that there was probably something to this. And for a lot of reasons, you notice that the Magi see the star, they come, but nobody else seems to notice it. Or if they saw it, they didn't realize what it was. They, get, they come to Herod, he doesn't know anything about it, says all of Jerusalem is, is, is concerned. They're not sure exactly what they're talking about. And so he begins to study what the stars might have looked like 
around the time of Christ's birth. And we know when Christ was born, somewhere between 2 and 6 BC. And we know that because of the listing of the various kings and rulers, especially in the Gospel of Luke. And when you compare all of their reigns, you can come down to a window of when Christ was born, somewhere between 2 and 6 BC. And what he discovered was that in 3 BC, on the Feast of Rosh Hashanah, which is the beginning of the Jewish New Year, which occurs in the fall every year, although they have a lunar calendar, not a solar calendar, so it, its date moves around for us. But there on the Feast of Rosh Hashanah, they discovered that Jupiter, the, the king planet, right? The one that everybody knows is the king planet. It moves into conjunction with the star Regulus. And Regulus, of course, means the king star. And so you have the king planet and the king star coming into conjunction together to indicate that maybe they could see that a king was being born. Maybe this was a picture that they had expected to signal that a king was to come. And this occurs in the constellation of Leo the lion. And they would have known that Leo the lion was a symbol of the tribe of Judah. In fact, we see this in the Old Testament. We, in fact, Jesus is referred to as the lion of Judah because Judah is always portrayed as a lion. And there on that same night, in fact, just before dawn the next day, the constellation of Virgo rose in the east with the sun and the moon at her feet, which is the description St. John gives us in Revelation of the birth of Christ. Could this have actually been a signal to these students of the stars? Perhaps. And if this was true, Perhaps this was the, the point of the Annunciation, the conception of Christ there on this feast of Rosh Hashanah in the year 3 BC. So then they look, so then he looks nine months later and discovers that there again, Jupiter forms a conjunction that would lead the, these wise men, these magi to Jerusalem and ultimately to Bethlehem. And if you want to know the full story, you have to watch the movie because it's much more than I can go into in my little 10-minute homily. And if I go over 10 minutes, someone will tell me. Now, what does that mean to us? Is this what happened? Actually, I think it's, you know, from all the theories I've heard in the past, it seems to be the one that, that rings the most true to me. So I think it's, you know, it's, it's worth considering but whether or not it's the true occurrence, it's really what happened, doesn't really matter to us because this is what it means. That for whatever caused the Magi to see this star, to recognize in the night sky that the one they had longed for for tens of thousands of years, for the king who would be born by the virgin, who would be the judge who would destroy the work of the evil one. From the days of Adam and Eve to, to that day, they had longed for this king who would destroy the head of the serpent. Whatever it was in the night sky for them to see, to know this, had to have been set in motion 
on the very first day of creation. When God spoke light into the darkness and created space and time. Because the patterns of the stars and the planets, the galaxies, are all governed by very specific natural laws. They follow specific patterns. That's why Rick Larson was able to look back to see exactly what the night sky looked like on Rosh Hashanah 3 BC, standing on a minaret in, in Baghdad. He could see exactly what the stars would be, how they would be shaped, because their motion is so predictable. Everything moves in accordance with very strict natural laws. So for this event to have taken place, it had to have been set in motion on the first day of creation. What we understand from that is this. God's plan will not be thwarted. God's plan cannot be stopped. God's plan cannot be set aside. God's plan will be fulfilled. His purpose will be accomplished in the earth and in the entire universe. Man will try to stop it. We know the rest of the story. Herod gets so upset that another king has been born. He doesn't want another king. He wants to stay king. And so he wants to find out who this, this king is so he can kill him. And when he gets angry because the wise men trick him and they don't go back and tell him who he is, he just kills them all. He kills all the boys in the, in the town. His determination to destroy God's plan but God's plan cannot be destroyed. Now that does, there's a difference between God's plan and God's will. It was not God's will for the innocent children of Bethlehem to be killed. We know that, right? But we also know that God took care of them. They became the first Christian martyrs and God has always watched over them. And we know in our lives, good things happen, bad things happen. Sometimes by our own hand. We, we, God has given us a free choice and we make sometimes make good choices, sometimes make bad choices. But yet God's plan is still not thwarted. His plan will still be accomplished. We know that God is going to work all things out for the good of those who love him. We know that God is going to work everything out so that he will be revealed. So even in this culture where the Jews hated the Gentiles and the Gentiles hated the Jews, God brings them all together in this little village of Bethlehem to worship the Christ child together. Because the Christ child comes not to become some kind of earthly king to rebuild Israel. He comes to be the king of the kingdom of God for all people, for all nations, for every tribe and tongue. He comes because that is God's plan, to make all of humanity into one family under the fatherhood of God. And God's plan will not be stopped. We've just come to the end of the year 2020, and one of the things I've noticed in the media is a lot of people talk about, oh, thank goodness 2020 is over. We get a fresh start on 2021. 
but I hate to tell you this, beloved, there's no promise, there's no guarantee that 2021 is going to be better. I mean, I hope it is. We pray it is. You know, we, in fact, in our petitions, we pray for the success of the vaccine because we really want life to get better for all of us and this, us to get past this crazy pandemic that has created so much stress in our lives and in the world. But this is the promise. God's plan will not be thwarted. Even in the early church, as they suffered persecution, being rejected by families, being thrown out of their homes and being thrown out of the synagogues, even being martyred for the sake of Christ, they, were, they still pursued Christ with joy. Because even death could not stop God's plan. God's plan will not be stopped. His purpose will be fulfilled in the universe, in the earth, and in our lives. There is no stopping the plan of God. And therefore, on this Feast of Epiphany, this Feast of Revelation, of manifestation, of coming to the knowledge of God's plan, therefore, we can trust him. Come what may, if 2021 turns out to be a great year, thanks be to God and we will rejoice in that. But if 2021 turns out to be a difficult, another difficult year, thanks be to God. And we will rejoice in that because our faith is not built on whether or not things go well for us or go poorly for us. Our faith is built that God is God. He is God of our lives. He is God of the universe. And nothing surprises him. Therefore, we trust him. We follow him. And there's a passage in scripture that I just love from one of the, one of the minor prophets, Hosea, I believe. And it goes this way. If there are no fruit on the vines, if there's no cattle in the stall, if there's no wheat in the barns and no joy in the streets, yet will I trust him. Yet will I put my trust in the Lord my God. God's plan will be fulfilled. Therefore, we can trust him.